Hello, and welcome to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk podcast. I'm Tanya. And I'm Carrie. We are both elementary music teachers who love to talk shop, preferably over a steaming cup of coffee. This is episode number 108. Today we'll be talking about why we value our membership in the Organization of American Kodai Educators, otherwise known as OAK. We'll also share highs and lows from our teaching week, discuss some ideas in our Know Better, Do Better segment, offer a work smarter, not harder teacher tip, and in our CODA section, we'll give some specific recommendations of our favorite things we are enjoying in and out of the music room. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started. So now it's time to share some highs and lows from our teaching week. Things that went well or not so well. Tanya, what would you like yes. to talk about? All right. So um, I know you and I also both do a musician of the day at the beginning of most of our classes. Yeah. And uh, this week is no exception to that. Yes, it's Women's History Month. So I have been highlighting women, but also I wanted to feature a group that I heard about from you, Carrie. Thank you very much. Uh -huh. um, called Daka Braka from the Ukraine. And there is just a fantastic little mini concert and on YouTube that was recorded at KEXP studios in Seattle, Washington. And you know, KEXP is like my favorite radio station. Um, anyway, so I picked some spe a specific song out of that wonderful, from beginning to end, it's really worth watching not just with students, but uh, just on your own, just to hear um, this group because they are wearing they are wearing traditional outfits and they are definitely singing in Ukrainian, but also a little bit in English. Um, but just it's just wonderful stuff, very accessible. It was a great uh, way to talk about different ways to use instruments because they have a cellist and oh, her cello. I love how it's it's painted yes, and decorated. It's really cool. And it's very cool. And they sing, they rap, there's a pianist. Um, the the gentleman in the group, he plays the cajon and the kids always go, well, wait a minute, cajon. Not only does he play the cajon, but he plays the exact same brand that I use in the music room. So oh. that was a, just a very fun connection. And it was just wonderful. It We spent probably a little too much time on Daka Braka just because this is, you know, the what's happening with the war in the Ukraine is extremely unfortunate. And it's also a time where we should not only say, okay, well, we support Ukrainians, but we need to learn about this culture, yeah. right? And this is, this is an opportunity. Sure. Too. And I thought it was very interesting how I had several students who were asking, because I always tell them this is recorded in 2017. I, I put that on the slide recorded in 2017, right. which was quite a while ago at this point. Right. And they said, well, where are they now? Are they okay? Are they safe? And I oh. said, you know what? I don't, I don't know. We're going to have to see if we can find out. Yeah. I've looked on their, their Facebook page and their Instagram page and um, they were posting pictures from Kiev, but and I know they're based out of Kiev, but I don't know if they're 
currently there, still there, or anything. Um, but we'll, we'll post to, to links of their performances and, and their Facebook page because they also link to um, organizations that you can donate to. And I just appreciate knowing directly from some Ukrainian folks where my money is going to be best spent in that situation. So we'll we'll link to all of that in there. But yeah, they're an incredible band. They're yes, awesome they really to watch. Are. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So that was my hi. Um, thank nice. you, Carrie, for the recommendation. Sure. Cool. And what about you? You have a high or a low? Or um, I'm gonna share high just because it was just kind of a fun little spontaneous thing. Okay, so in kindergarten, um, I've been focusing on like long and short sounds, like super early prep of Ta and Titi. I present Ta and Titi in first grade. I know some people sneak it in in kinder, but in, for me in kinder, it's really experiencing like the really big long sounds and really extreme short sounds. Um, and then we narrow it in more into duration later on, right? So um, there's this old share the music, you know, the old share the music textbooks. There are some little nuggets of gold in there. And there's this one little recorded lesson where they're comparing animal sounds to long and short sounds. So they talk about the moo of the cow is a long sound and the quack quack of ducks are two short sounds. So um, I've, I've always used that as like a little jumping off point. And we do lots of songs about cows and ducks and then we experiment. Well, okay. So anyways, I'm getting to my point. So I have created these little cards and I tell you what, I just print them off on paper and I cut them out. They're not even laminated. And there are little cards that have one moo and a picture of a cow and then two quacks and two ducks. And what I've done is I've had students kind of create, you know, do like some early dictation and create compositions and all that. Well, this year I got this idea just out of nowhere, like, well, hey, since I'm just being cheap and I'm just, these are not laminated things. I I'm going to create little individual student sets that they can take home. So what I did was I created, uh, in, I used a piece of paper and I folded it up in the bottom to create a little pouch and I stapled it twice on either side. And then I put four little moos and four little quack quacks inside this pouch. And then I did have four hearts for four steady beats because they do know the concept of four steady beats. And um we use that for our dictation. And then I said, guess what? You get to take these home and then you get to, you know, play this game with your family at home. You could play it with a brother or sister. You could, you know, say a pattern. They could try to write it or you write a pattern and read it to somebody. So then on Class Dojo, I took a picture of it and I said to parents, hey, FYI, this is coming home from the music class. Ask your kid about it. And if your child plays it at home with you, send me a picture or a video so I can see. And I had a family send me a picture and it was so sweet of one of my kiddos doing his little moo and quack quack dictation. And um, the kids were just really excited and it just made me remember the importance of that home connection. Um, you know, especially when there's no concerts going on, at least still not in my world, I want to make sure the parents are still aware of the music making we're doing in the class. So it was a last minute idea. It was worth the uh, work of putting these packets together because the kids were really excited to take them home. So I'll share a little picture of it um, in our show notes and like on our Instagram and Facebook so you can see what it looks like. But just a silly little idea and it worked no, well. Oh, that's a it's a brilliant idea and that's that's so awesome that kids are so energized that they do it at home. Well, at least so. that one kid did. <laughs> <laughs> And 
so it is time for our main theme, which is why OAK or O-A-K-E or um, Organization of American Kodai Educators. We, uh, Carrie and I, you might have noticed that we did not send out, send out a podcast episode last week and we got off track. And that's because we were at the OAK conference this year. The OAK conference was held in Pittsburgh. Next year, it will be in Florida. Jacksonville. Um, Jacksonville, Florida. Um, oh, and by the way, Carrie, did you know it? It's like right before a spring break. So, hey. 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 <laughs> That's exciting. Yeah, that is exciting. I was just looking all that up today. Cool. So I love attending the OAKE conference and I make a point to do so whenever I can. Yes, it is time. Yes, it is money. Um, but I tell you what, what I get from that, those three and a half, four days of reconnecting with my Oak family, uh, people I know from all over the country is just worth it. It's, it's worth it twice over. Um, I've made lots of friends from other parts of the country. I have learned so much from people that I normally just would never have come in contact with. The sessions are really well vetted and they're always fantastic. Uh, there's concerts because it's also coincides with the Oak Children's Choir and they're, they have a middle school, they have a changing voice choir. Yeah. Well, that's going to start next year, I believe. Yes. That's starting up and, and that's a long time coming and I'm just so excited about that. Yeah. Um, and then of course they have like a small chamber group that is high school mixed voices. So the level of musicianship that you experience, um, the sessions, you come away with so much. They have poster sessions, uh, which feature people who have been doing research. I mean, Oak is the real deal as far as music educators who really take this idea of teaching children music very seriously, like to the point of the, these are best practices. Ooh, here's the latest research thing. Here's what's working in my classroom with, oh, just so many ideas. Um, I always come away with one or two people that I was never aware of before that I really want to follow their work. I always come away with new ideas and I've been teaching a really long time, really long time. Um, and I don't think I, I can't think of a single time I've come back from an Oak conference and didn't have something that I was really jazzed about implementing it in my classroom. Yeah. 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 And I mean, we've been to our state conference. I used to go to the state conference in Illinois when I lived there. And, you know, they're they're always great and they're they're wonderful experiences. But I just find with Oak the the level of the quality of the sessions and the presenters is just always so high. You know, there are times that I might go to a state conference and maybe sometimes I'm looking at a slate of sessions in a particular time block and I'm like, oh, there might not be a lot that's speaking to me here. And, you know, that's also just to say that, you know, when you get to a point in your career where you've been to many, many conferences, obviously this happens more. But when I go to Oak, it's the opposite. I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. I want to see so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And they're all in the same block. How am I going to do it? I but, know. You know. People are generous with their notes. So even if you're not able to make it to all of the sessions, at least you have their notes and people are always so kind if you want to follow up with them personally. You know, sometimes I've written a, a presenter later just to get clarification on something in their notes if I wasn't able to be at their session. And everyone's always so giving of their time 
time, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I agree. It's just such a well done conference and it's fun. And it's not a huge conference compared to some others that I see people post about like TMEA looks like a whole thing that is like, wow, right. that's huge. Yeah. And the um, AOSA conference we yeah. know is, is very big. Yeah. It's Oakland small, is... but mighty. That's what I always say about that. All but mighty. Exactly. Right. So, yeah. yeah, we were just going to talk about, I mean, not only our experience at the conference we just went to, but also just the general benefits of being a member of Oak, being involved with Oak, because it's obviously an organization that Tanya and I value. We've both been on the board of directors. We've both been on the board of our local chapters. And, you know, we understand that putting your money towards a professional membership, you know, it's not to be taken lightly. We know we're not making millions as teachers, but it's something that Tanya and I have always valued. Um, for our own professional and personal growth. And so it's just something that we really want to make sure people are aware that this organization is out there, whether you've had your Kodai training or not. It's just a wonderful organization that can support you. So we just want to highlight some of the great things that Oak is doing and then talk about the conference a little bit too. Yes. And you know what? I, I was just wanted to put this in there is that the Oak conference, very similar to your levels training in Kodai levels, um, really does not only enrich you as a music educator, but as a musician. Yes. There are opportunities for you to really dig in and to really fulfill your own need to be a musician. And so our Sunday spotlight session for this past conference um, was led by Dr. Erpard Toth. Uh, he's from Hungary and just, it was not things that I, the things that we did in this session were not things that I can take exactly as is and use in my classroom. They, the, the kernel of the idea is something that I can definitely work with and use in my classroom. But the level of musicianship that we were actually experiencing and that he was asking from, from us was definitely on par with us as adult musicians. Yeah. And, and that is just a wonderful reminder of the connection between Yes, we're music educators and we are also musicians and we also get fulfilled this way and look at all these ways we can explore our own musicianship, which helps in turn make us better educators. So that was just a wonderful, that Sunday spotlight session just really was so fulfilling and a wonderful way to end the whole conference was like, oh yeah, that's right. I do music too. <laughs> yeah. And um, Dr. It's Toth, is that how you pronounce it? Dr. I, Toth? He I, also I, I, was the director of the Participant Choir. And I don't know of any other conference that does this, but, um, and I haven't done it personally, but I know lots of friends who have, you know, they, they offer a Participant Choir for folks who just want to come together and sing. And they have rehearsals, um, you know, throughout the conference. And then they put together a little concert. And it was like a 15 minute concert because, you know, how much music are you going to learn? And oh, but it was a couple beautiful. of hours. But it was beautifully it was done. And how amazing, again, that Oak provides folks with this opportunity to be a participant in a choir um, and, and increase their own personal musicianship just for the joy of music making. It's just really yes. a cool thing. Something I definitely want to do in the future. I just haven't done it yet. No, I have not either. Um, I would love to, though. Yeah. Yeah. So well, should we talk about some of our, our highlights? I mean, you mentioned the Sunday spotlight, but were there other um, specific um, sessions that you just want to give a shout out to that you were just really 
impressed and inspired by and putting you on the spot. Oh yeah, you are. So you and I both attended um, Dr. Leanne Gardner's uh, session, which was about collaborative assessment. And I mean, anytime you have to see Dr. Leanne Gardner, you should, you should do it because she just has a wonderful way of showing and, and she's, she wastes no words. She's Mm -hmm. very succinct about here's what we can do with this piece. And now here is a process to take them through a composition project that we can use for assessment. But let's also talk about, you know, the other skills that are coming into play. Um, She's just always, always wonderful. Cause I've seen Leanne present several times and each time I always think, I wonder if, I wonder if there's anything new, of course, like three fourths of what I see Dr. Leanne Gardner present is stuff that I go, oh, wow, I don't know that. I don't know that song. I've never done this in that way. Yeah. So always gold, always yeah. worth seeing. The way she yeah. lays out her process is just great. And it's always just things that are so accessible. Like, yes, my kids can do this. This is like real life stuff. This isn't just some, you know, pedagogy for the sake of pedagogy. It's no. really, really excellent stuff that is attainable and accessible and cool. Just really yes. well laid out. And I also saw Dr. Philip Taka. And uh, if you are familiar with the Taka and Houlihan books, the first, well, there's several, several books, but Kodai Today with uh, the red outer sleeve is one that is definitely worth reading cover to cover. And then they have come out with a book for every grade level. Um, and those are fantastic. But the reason that I attended this specific lecture slash session was because it was all about sound thinking. And before Kodai Today came out, I had these books and I don't know what led me to them, but I have these books called Sound Thinking. And they were put out by Dr. Philip Taka and Hulahan, um, and Dr. Hulahan. And these books were really, when I was first getting my Kodai training wheels on, these books really were what I, I turned to. Um, it's just chock full of just uh, ways to get the wheels turning uh, for teaching pedagogy in a very uh, developmentally appropriate way in a Kodai setting. And he talked about what sound thinking is. Um, He also showed lots of pictures from his long career and his studies in Hungary. And he, showed us a fantastic video of Peter Erdai teaching. It was fascinating. Um, It just really lit a fire under me again to hear him talk about that. What about you? Um, Well, yeah, you mentioned Dr. Leanne Gardner was one of my favorites. And then my, one of my other always favorites is, is Dr. Rachel Gibson, our friend, Dr. Rachel Gibson, who was incredible. She did. I mean, she has presented almost every year at Oak for the last few years. However, it's always new materials. So this was Living Traditions, Songs and Singing Games from Spain. And she recently just did um, a study sabbatical in Spain. She lived there for a while and traveled and collected songs from various places in Spain. And she was able to share those with permission from the folks that she collected them from and um 
just another wonderful packet of great songs and singing games and again always things that i feel like are very accessible and fun um and i just always appreciate everything that she does and just a reminder she just put out a really great resource called canta conmigo and we'll link to that in the show notes so if you're looking from for spanish language songs um specifically that book is songs from guatemala and nicaragua um so yeah just always always great stuff from Dr. Gibson. That's funny because I'm holding the book in my hands as you were saying that. I was like, oh, Carrie's got to say about her recent publication that just came out. And we've seen her present on this particular publication a couple of times. Mm -hmm. Um, And what's really special about that book, Cantata Conmigo, is that when you purchase the book, you have access to a recording of the pronunciations, which- I really need. So (laughs) yes, we all do. Um, So Rachel Gibson, always, always wonderful to see. Always great. Yeah. Well, shall we talk about Just Oak as an organization and the benefits of Oak? Totally. Awesome. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read Oak's mission statement because I think it's always important to know what an organization stands for. So I took this directly from the Oak website, which is oake.org, and their mission is inspired by the vision of Zoltan Kodai. The mission of the Organization of American Kodai Educators is to support music education of the highest quality, promote universal music literacy and lifelong music making, and preserve the musical heritage of the people of the United States of America through education, artistic performance, advocacy, and research. And then to continue into their vision, the vision of Oak is the realization of a world where the power of music as a unifying, humanizing, and healing force is an integral part of the lives of the American people. Yeah. And I, you know, I, when we read mission and vision statements, sometimes it feels like it's just words. But again, being a part of the organization, having served on the board and going to many, many conferences now, you really see that being lived out. And it's lived out through a volunteer board and a very small staff organization of really, really hardworking and dedicated people. I'm just amazed at the work that Oak is able to do when these are mostly volunteers that are running this organization. And it's, it's really just a fantastic thing to see it come to life. Absolutely. And, you know, the mission mission and vision statement, if I was in a pinch and somebody said, I need your mission and statement right now, I would probably go right here and, yeah. and just insert me for every, <laughs> every time it says Organization of American Kodai Educators. I because believe this is, yeah, this is yeah. exactly what I want my mission. This is what I want to be living is music of the highest music education of the highest quality universal music literacy lifelong music all of these things yeah. it's exactly what i feel as well and so yeah i'm very i i love being a part of this organization and as you said before you and i have both served on the board which um is is can be a little uh, well is takes time it's time consuming and um you know you have to you have to do some work that you're not being paid for. But if you believe in something, and that's not just for Oak, but if you really believe in something and you want it to continue and you want to promote it, you really, your due diligence is to become a part of it and do some of that work to make sure that the organization that you believe in is current, 
is aligning with the values of its membership and you, you have that obligation. Yeah. And Oak, yeah. like many music education organizations, many organizations, period, have had a lot of need for growth and change for a long time. And while it might seem like it takes a while for these things to happen and we get antsy and we want to see that change happen immediately, we know that especially in a all-volunteer organization, well, with a few employees, you know, these things, they do unfortunately take time. But again, if, if we want to see the change, we've got to be the change, right? We've got to be yeah. those people who promote and advocate that change within yeah. our own organizations. So it's, it's beautiful work everyone's doing. So it is. Yeah. And, and not to put too much sunshine all about Oak, because of course, just like any other music education organization, there are things that need to be updated within Oak. 100%. That work, yeah. That work is happening and it's because it's an organization, it's going to happen slower than you are going to change what you're doing in your teaching practice, for example, yeah, yeah. because there's lots of people involved and it has to go through a process and, yeah. and that's the way it, it, it goes. Um, and if you are someone who is like you were saying, anxious for things to change, you've got to join in and be a part of that change and not just turn your back and say, you know what, this organization is not what I believe in because they haven't made all of these changes yet. You got to get in there and get your hands dirty and promote the ideas that we should be embodying if if you're thinking that things are outdated totally totally yeah so what are other reasons to what are other reasons to be a part of oake carrie well, I think one of the first things that comes to mind is professional development, right? So what we've already talked about through the national conference. Um, also, there are four divisions within Oak, and um, many, I think all four have or occasionally do mini conferences. I know within the Western Division, we did a mini conference just recently because I was part of that planning committee. Um, I know the Midwestern Division does a, a mini conference every year, I believe. Um, so there are lots of great opportunities opportunities not only to attend on a national level, but also attend a mini conference, whether it be virtual or in person. And then, of course, all the local chapters have local workshops. And that's really where, you know, most of us get our feet wet into the organization is, you know, that's what I started doing was attending those Saturday Rocky workshops because I knew as a music educator, my school was not going to provide me with the professional development that I needed. I also knew that my under grad music education degree did not provide me with everything I needed. And so does it does it kind of suck to give up a Saturday? Uh, yeah, it does. Because sometimes as a teacher, you feel like, oh, I need my batteries recharged. But guess what? When you go to those workshops, you will feel your batteries recharged, not only professionally, but also personally and also as a musician. Um, it's always worth the time and the money. And I just, I will say that till I'm blue in the face that, you know, you've got to check out these local workshops. They're, they're always uh, well worth the time and the money to be able to do that. Exactly. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, professional development. I'm a big fan of in-person professional development. I, I do understand that right that in our current state of uh, technology and social media, that there are lots of things, ideas being thrown around in music education. Right. So you can go on Instagram, you can follow people in Facebook, you can you follow groups in Facebook, you can watch videos and some things are great and some things are really not. Yeah. 
Um, and the wonderful thing about giving up a Saturday and going to some professional develop development that's offered by your Kodai chapter is that the person presenting or the people presenting, they have been chosen by that local board and they have some credentials and they probably know what they are talking about, maybe a little bit more than your favorite Instagrammer. Right. Um, yeah, music teacher. Not to say that there's not great stuff on there. There definitely is, but you have to pick through it. And honestly, I think I might have spent as much time picking through the good and the bad online than I would have sitting in one workshop. Yeah. And you just get so much more by going in person and actually experiencing the singing games and the dances and the activities as a participant. It's going to stick in your brain better. It's going to feel more meaningful to you. You're going to be able to say, oh, this is going to work really well with my kids or, you know what, this is great, but it's not going to work so as well with my kids because of X, Y, Z. If you actually experience it yourself as a participant, oh, just yeah. sitting and watching videos online, you don't no. get the same experience. It's not the same retention at all. Yeah. So, so some of the other things that Oak offers is that there is a publication that comes out, um, the Envoy. And is it bi-monthly? Is it once every two months, Carrie? I think it's a quarter. It's quarterly. It's quarterly. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And that's a fantastic publication. In fact, I'm looking at my magazine files of previous Oak Envoys because so many of them contained articles that were just too good for me to like throw out the magazine right. Um, right now it's all digital yeah which is a good thing because you know that and that's you can power. and if you're a member then you can also access previous you know envoy or you know issues as well so um i know some people love to hang on to magazines like tanya some people are like nope never like me because i don't want to take up space in my office but i can go back and i can read former issues as well and it's just a really great resource to have on hand yes yeah another thing is that if you are interested in getting your kodai levels if you don't already have those oak offers a number of scholarships for people who want to get their Kodai training. And so you have to be a member of Oak in order to access and apply for those scholarships. And I've known several students at Colorado Kodai Institute who have applied and received those scholarships and it doesn't cover the entire cost of a level for a summer, but it does help out quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so we are really lucky that we have all of that in place. Oak off also offers grants. So if you've got a wonderful research idea that you really want to work on, and there's an opportunity to apply for a grant and get some financial backing from an organization, which there's That's been huge. a lot of... <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And in addition to the Envoy, too, I just want to also mention that Oak does sell a variety of publications. Some are song collections. Um, some are more curriculum things like Tanya and I always talk about the Rita Klinger lesson planning in a Kodai setting, a guide for music teachers. I mean, that's not something I would just recommend you necessarily purchase and start using if you haven't had your levels yet. But if you intend to take your levels or have taken levels, that's a really great publication to help you with your planning. Um, 
so yeah, there's just, if you go to the uh, resources tab on the website and go down to purchase publication, there's a great variety of publications there that I own most of these things myself and use yes. them. They're the great. song collections are excellent. And, and you get a discount if you're a member. So yes, anyone can purchase them, but you get a discounted price if you are a member. Right. And I really want to mention that being a music educator, no matter what your philosophy, no matter what really drives you, it's not a, okay, I've been teaching for three years and now I've arrived and I've, I'm awesome. and I'm an awesome teacher. Well, first of all, it's not about you um, being an awesome teacher. I mean, yes, that's, that's a wonderful thing, but it's about you teaching children. And this is not a small, just a few years commitment that really, if you're going to last in this profession, you need to find a way where you feel like you can grow over years and years and years and decades. Um, otherwise, I don't know, maybe, maybe not, but if it was me, I, I thought, okay, well, I know it all now after five years of teaching, I would probably move on to a different career because I just love the idea of here I am in a career where I'm continue to grow. I continue to learn. I continue to tweak what I'm doing in the classroom. It's not a burden. It's a joy because that's what keeps me excited about showing up in August and teaching children. And if you are like us and you are really thirsting for that lifelong passion of teaching music, it is just so very helpful to be in an organization of people who also feel that way. 100%. And so you can continue your commitment for music education and be the best teacher that you can be and continue growing. And I think that's just uh, a wonderful place. Oak is a wonderful place to find other people that feel that way. And, and you can keep inspiring each other because, you know, we say it all the time. You are, we are in a vacuum when we are at our school. We're the only music teacher. If you're at an elementary school, you are most likely the only music teacher in the building, right? You might be able to talk with other teachers about specific classes and maybe behavioral class management things. But when it comes to your teaching and the students being musical and the students learning, who do you have to really bounce ideas off of, talk with? learn from, right? I get yeah. that from Carrie and Oak. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's so true. Yeah. I mean, when we, and then it's so great to go to the conference and this kind of brings us to this idea of networking and friendship and, and building those relationships. I mean, whether it's through uh, attending the conference or going to levels programs, you, you create this circle, this, these friendships of people who, you know, we might only see each other once a year at the conference, but it's just always such a fulfilling, sustaining thing to be able to see and talk to people from different places in the country that are seeing things from different perspectives, depending on their student population and what they're dealing with in their own place. Um, but we're all kind of coming at it from the same, you know, mission and vision of what Oak is about within ourselves. And then we have this opportunity to bounce ideas off each other and talk to each other and, and go to the bar and have a drink and sing cannons while we're there. And it's just a really, really beautiful thing because it's really this beautiful blending of truly your professional, your personal, and then your musicianship all kind of, you know, melding together. It's just so great. 
Do I get to read the renewed commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion? Oh, yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah. I mean, okay. we talked about so, the growth and the need for growth and, and what Oak is doing to promote that growth within themselves. So, yes, you read okay. it. All right. So, the members of OAKE are committed to championing, championing diversity, welcoming all people, and advancing inclusivity and equity for all. Inspired by Zoltan Kodai's unyielding assertion that music belongs to everyone, we affirm that music is a fundamental aspect of shared human experiences. As such, we pledge to promote active music making merged with intentionality, intentionally respectful practices as the basis of comprehensive music education. Yeah. So there is work to do, not just in Oak, but everywhere. Yeah. Um, as we really drill down on what it means to be inclusive of all. And Oak is committed to doing that work. Um, and we need to help our organizations along with that as we are all changing our practices and adjusting our practices and really being authentic with the intention of being inclusive. Yeah. And something that the the Oak organization, but then also just Kodai inspired, you know, pedagogy in general is, you know, this focus on authentic research and doing your due diligence. And this is something Tanya and I talk about all the time, and we're still learning how to do good research. We're still growing in this area as well. But this importance of knowing where the music comes from, getting music from authentic culture bearers, and, and making sure you are providing that those sources for the materials that you are presenting to your students and to each other as colleagues. This is something that that Oak is committed to. And this is something that Kodai and Better Music Educators are committed to. And it's just something that, again, I'm still learning and growing, but it's 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 one of my commitments to myself and my students is is to research, research, research. Exactly. And we'll talk more about that in our No Better Do Better. Well yeah. Well yeah. So on our path to learning and growing, we're going to talk about knowing better and doing better. This is our segment where we talk about practices or specific literature or anything that we have shed some new light on and are rethinking um, or thinking deeper on. Anyways, you get the idea. Tanya, what do you want to talk about? (laughs) Okay. So I went down a little wormhole because I really want to focus on thinking about how we might be recontextualizing songs for our music class, for music performances. And let me give you an example. This came up um, because one of the pieces that we did in the Sunday Spotlight for the past Oak Conference is Somaguaza. And this is a song um, of the Shosa people. And I know I'm pronouncing that a little bit incorrectly. Uh, so I have been aware of this song Somaguaza initially from Pete Seeger. And then I know that it has been an octavo in world music press also. So it was just, it was interesting because I haven't thought about this song for uh, a while. And then when I came back, I was looking up this song and looking and trying to do a little bit of research about the song Somaguaza. And it turns out this is a traditional ritual song it's an initiation ritual for young men 
I believe. Yes. Um, and this led me to a paper, a case study about culturally significant songs and when they are decontextualized. And so this is an initiation song. And I'm thinking uh, many years ago, I did perform this song with children. And I have to remember that this is a song that is for a specific purpose. And when we take a song that is meant for an initiation and we put it in a concert setting, that does mess with the integrity of the intention of the song. Also, let's say someone hears that performance of that um, and then says, well, I I'm going to do the same thing. And now we're going to add ORF instruments. And we're also, so I guess what I'm trying to think through is like, how, how much can you do to a song before it's just cultural appropriation and inappropriate? Right. right. So I was also thinking about some other songs that I know that have been used to represent maybe a specific holiday, like you and I were talking about Shalom Haverim, which is a song that a lot of people, uh, a lot of music teachers use because it's, it's, a, it's a lovely song. It's easy to put it in a round or a canon. You can make a really lovely arrangement out of it. And many music teachers do use it during Hanukkah or to represent Hanukkah. However, it's not a Hanukkah song, right? So is, is it horrible to use that during the Hanukkah season? Well, no, it is a song in Hebrew. However, are we misrepresenting the cultures that we are trying to exalt? Right. So I don't have answers, all of this to say. Um, and I am not by any means talking uh, down on the Sunday spotlight where we did some Aguaza, right? And I'm not saying that. I'm just saying when I looked and saw what's it, what its original purpose was, and then I'm picking through this case study about decontextualizing songs, like the evolution of a song is goes through years and years and years, and that can't be avoided a lot of times, right? You might hear a song that was originally a work song, and then it was put into a different context. And But as music teachers, especially right now, when everything is just thrown on the internet and you have to pick through stuff, I think we do have a responsibility to be very intentional when we are trying to, in the smallest way, represent a culture and that we should know the most that, uh, that we can about a song that we would put in a performance setting. Yeah, and or in front of kids at all. Not even or in front of kids at all, exactly. So I know we've talked a lot about songs that we should not prolong, prolong the life of because they were created with the intent to harm others, right? And some of that is cut and dry and some of that is not. Um, but this is something different because we're not saying that these songs shouldn't live on. We're saying that these songs, they, were, they are in a culture for a very specific purpose. And when we take them out and we do whatever we want to them, well, first of all, that's a very privileged place to be. Sure. For, and it's brought up in this case study that 
the example of like Native American songs and taking maybe a powwow song and putting it in a music classroom is not appropriate. Right, right. Right. So this is not, this is not me or you and I saying, don't do this song, don't do that song. Again, it comes back to if you're going to do a song from another culture that you don't really know, you need to do as much research as you can for that song so that you can tell whoever you're teaching about it, but also so that you can make sure that you are not taking something that is for a very specific, maybe even sacred reason in another culture and just putting a bow on it and calling it a cute performance piece. Definitely. So I hope all that makes sense. It does. Um, and you can link to this case study, right? It's, it's in a oh yeah. public place. Yeah. Okay, great. You can, you can read it um, online and I have not read the whole thing. Um, but like I said, it just started me going down this and I've got to finish doing the research. Not that I'm going to use Samaguaza in the near future. Um, but, but now you're curious and you want to know more. Right. And also another thing, when you look up something, please go past the first few Google links, because another thing that I'm concerned about that we really can't do anything about is that the more music teachers who have blogs, who start putting specific songs in their blogs, those things, especially if they get a lot of hits, those things are coming up first before the real, here's what that song really is. Right. So we just need to be aware. It's a little bit heartbreaking. There's really nothing we can do about it, but it kind of, um, it, it's just very unfortunate that if some random music teacher who may or may not know anything about a given song writes a blog that has an awesome game or cute manipulatives, gets a lot of hits, that's what's going to come up on a search engine. And so we really have to understand that finding it on Beth's music notes is not enough. Right. Go deeper. Right. That go deep. You got to go deeper. And um, as time goes on and people are doing more blogging and more talking about specific songs, the deeper that we have, we really have to go because you are going to come up with a lot of false information. Unfortunately, there is so much false information um, about any given song and you got to really dig. We, we've talked about Funga Lafia, right? Mm -hmm. A lot about how you really got to dig deeper because so many people have written about Funga Alafia as a um, Liberian West African song. Yeah. Yes. A West African welcome song, which it's not, but now is it really easy to research that? Well, it's not really hard, but you do have to dig deeper than the first two pages. Right. And you have to know your pages that you're going to know your resources and mm -hmm. whether or not they're worth trusting. And that's not to say anybody's deliberately putting out false information. People don't know. And so anyway, we don't have answers. I'll we just have that. questions. Yeah. And now it's time for a work smarter, not harder teacher tip that will transform your teaching life you're going to have your afternoons free to just drink coffee and kick back. 
Because no. Carrie's going to lay one on us that's going to change everything. No, not at all. Um, File this under this, what you always tell you say, like things that you might already be doing or probably already doing. So sub plans. Let's talk about sub plans. So when I was gone for the Oak Conference, I had two days of sub plans to write. And um, for the first time, maybe I should be embarrassed to say this, I used Google Slides. Uh, for my sub plans. Now, I still did write it out in kind of a document form, like kind of with bullet points, do this, do this, do this. But then I also created a, a corresponding Google slideshow and I did a K through two plan and a three through five plan. So I didn't have one for every grade level. Um, but the idea is then that the sub is able to just take that link and I, I made a tiny URL. So when she came in and she opened up the computer, she was able to type in that website and it was a link to a, a Google Drive folder that had the sub plans and all the slideshows she needed for the two days. And, um, you know, yes, it did take some work. I mean, so maybe this isn't necessarily a work smarter, not harder tip, but, but I think it is because you save that Google, you can save that slide deck. And if you have, if you need a sub on a different day with a different group, voila. You are breeding my mind. That's exactly what I was going to say. So I'm out next week for two days and um, it's at my other school, different set of kids. So guess what? Bada bing, bada boom. The plan's are already done, which is lovely. And just knowing that she had everything she needed, she didn't have to go to this website and then click here and then go this way and then click there because everything was in one place on the Google Slides. And yes, there were links from the Google Slides, but like videos, YouTube play-along videos, YouTube sing-along videos, um, um, if you yourself are creating videos on Loom or Screencastify or whatever, you could put videos of yourself in there. I know that's something you've done, Tanya. Anyways, I did. I left my, that for my last sub is right. that I said every class for primary, they're going to sing along with me like they normally do, but I'll be on the screen. Exactly. Yeah. So um, just a great reminder that Google Slides and, and leaving everything in one just easy to flip through format for subs, they're going to appreciate it. And therefore, they're going to want to come back and sub for you again, because if you're leaving them really good, clean, easy to follow plans, everyone appreciates that. But also it's worth the work if you're able to reuse them later on. So yay for Google Slides and sub plans. And now for the CODA section, where we give a personal or professional recommendation, something we've been enjoying, either in or out of the music room. So Tanya, what would you like to recommend? All right. I'm actually going to talk about something I've been using in the classroom um, for kindergarten and first grade. And I have to mention that I got this idea, this book title from David Rao at Make Moments Matter. He mentioned it a couple of Mondays ago. I try to catch David's Monday evening um, make moments matter. He does an hour on Facebook and Instagram. And sometimes I'm able to watch it while I'm making dinner. So anyway, this book that he mentioned is called Hurry Up, written by Kate Dopriak, um, illustrated by Christopher Silas Neal. And it is a book about slowing down. And this is so, there's so many things about this book. Okay, so it's a picture book. And it starts out and it shows a black child rushing around in the morning, waking up and everything is hurry up, hurry down, hurry, hurry all around and 
rushing to get on the bus and rushing around at school. Everybody's rushing at school and hurry. If you hurry in, hurry out. And then halfway through the book, there's a big stop. And it says, slow things down, take it all in. Um, and it shows pictures of this child taking, being outside with their dog and playing fetch and looking around and taking in the scenery and lying on the grass and breathing in and breathing out, um, breathing in a flower, blowing out a dandelion. Okay, so, so many things. First of all, um, I love the idea of using this when we are exploring fast and slow. So next year, I'll use it at the beginning of the year when we're talking about fast and slow. Also, what a fantastic SEL connection of knowing yourself, being able to calm yourself down. And it's, it's wonderful because when you read this, these couple pages about breathing in and breathing out, the students, they just do this intuitively, you know? Yeah. And you, of course, you have to read this with the right cadence. Sure. Um, so I love it for that. Um, it's beautifully illustrated. I love that it's uh, at the very end, we, it's nighttime and we talk about, you know, the race is off, mosey home, we're enjoying the fireflies. And I always have to tell my students what that is. Well, yeah, um, we don't have those here. <laughs> exactly. Um, dreams and lazy days ahead. And they show the the child going to sleep and outside the window there's moon and stars and then you can segue very nicely into starlight star bright as you sing and point to the stars on the beat this sounds like it, it could be a great performance book too a book that oh, could totally a full music yeah. performance there's so many things in it that could tie into musical ideas and yes and here's a little extra that you know i i just intuited um, this child and the illustrations of this child, um, a black child wearing shorts and a yellow hoodie with glasses on, um, I really see this child as more androgynous. Ah. So I think it's supposed to be a boy, but really could be either or. And so I've taken to saying, when we're talking about this book afterwards, I, we talk about, I say they instead yeah. of he or she um and so i think that is a huge benefit to be able to show kids because honestly i do have primary students who are non-binary yeah i do um and i know that there's been a lot of talk and legislation lately which is stuff we won't get into um but I want to represent all of my students. Yeah. And so if I can find, if I have this book where it is not a clearly defined masculine or female, female character or feminine character, then um, am I going to call attention to that and have a conversation? No, but I think it feels like to me, representation for students who might be more non-binary. That's great. Anyway, it's a great book. Hurry up. We'll awesome. And what about you, Carrie? You can oh tell us. Gosh. You just personal. mentioned, you just talked about something so lovely and meaningful and inspiring. And what I'm going to recommend is like not at all any of those things. 
So um, I was not well this last week and I took a sick day from work. And while I was home, I completely binged watched the entire miniseries of this show on Netflix called Inventing Anna. Do you know about this show, Tanya? You know what? I watched like the first 15 minutes and it was not for me. Okay. It's, it's, I don't know why. It was a little silly. You're probably like, why are you recommending this when I'm going to say it's not the best? It's the best (laughs) for tuning out the world if you just just need a mental break, which I apparently need needed that day mentally and physically. Um, Yeah, I mean, some of the acting is great. Some of it not as great. The story is about... um, Anna Delvey is the alias she went by, this wannabe socialite. And the, the true story is just as insane as, as the show. Um, it's it's a complete just romp into this world that I obviously know nothing about and nor do I want to. But it was just really fascinating. And it was it was entertaining, I will say that, um, for me. I know it's not for everybody. So um, Julia Garner plays Anna Delvey, and she is fantastic. This bizarre accent that she uses, which is what Anna Delvey used, it's like, because you don't know if she's Russian or German or where. And that's the whole point of this this story of this woman is she she was very elusive about her background and where she came from in, in as far as she wanted to make herself into this heiress and she had all this money and she really didn't. And it's kind of a sad story, but it's also just wildly silly and entertaining. So if you just are looking for a good, like, don't think too hard show, um, it's on Netflix, Inventing All it. right. We've reached the double bar line. Thank you for listening to Music Teacher Coffee Talk. Show's notes can be found at musicteachercoffeetalkpodcast.com. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Just look for Music Teacher Coffee Talk. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving us a review on iTunes to help others find this podcast. And we always appreciate folks buying us a coffee, so look for that link on our show notes and on our Facebook page. Until next time, this is Carrie. And this is Tanya wishing you happy musicking.